1: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 83rd episode of the History Goes Bump podcast.
0: Ghost tours for the theater of the mind.
1: I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And on today's episode, we are going back down to Texas on a suggestion by our listener, Jill, to check out the Emily Morgan Hotel. Ooh, it sounds intriguing. It's right next to the Alamo, Denise. Ooh. So you know it's got to have a rich history there. Absolutely. And of course, hauntings. So we're looking forward to sharing that with you guys. But before we do that, we invite you to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if they want to reach us via email for any reason, Denise, how can they do that?
0: They're going to do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com.
1: We do have a meetup coming up this Sunday, which is going to be November the 22nd in 2015. We're going to St. Augustine. We're doing the Ripley's Ghost Train. And we know a lot of you that are in other areas other countries are like oh we wish we could come bummer well we'll do some periscoping so you guys can join us on that but we're really looking forward to that we have a couple of people to welcome to the spooktacular crew peggy hey peggy and heather hi heather and denise We want to give a shout out to Jess over at Bizarre States on the Nerdist Podcast Network. Jess gave us a very wonderful shout out on her show. And I have a feeling that maybe that might be why our show shot up to 163 out of all of the thousands and thousands of podcasts that are on iTunes. We were in the top 200 a few days ago, and that was awesome, a wonderful ride. So thank you, Jess, for that.
0: And for those wondering, yes, she did wet her pants.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I may not have wet my pants, but I sure did squeal like a girl. And every time she squealed, our little dog, Tiana,
0: attacked the other two dogs. I'm like, okay, Diane, quit being so excited. Tiana's going to kill the other
1: pups. (laughs) Well, with that kind of exposure, you get a lot more reviews and comments and that kind of thing. So we're going to share five of the reviews that we got this week. We did get a couple more, but I'm going to save those over for the next episode. So if we get a whole bunch there, we'll just keep pushing these off because I don't want to be reading reviews all night. But I like to read them because I think it's a nice way to, you know, people go to all the effort to write them. So it's nice to share them. And it gives us an opportunity to thank them for those as well. Yes. And with a couple of these reviews and comments that I'm going to be sharing this evening, we're going to get a little extra information on some of the episodes we've done as well. Our first review comes in from The Dead Bell. Love it five stars is a fancier of cemeteries and historical curiosities. I was thrilled to discover this podcast. I admit that I'm agnostic about the paranormal, but I love a good ghost story and history goes bump has yet to disappoint. The hosts have a great report and are enthusiastic about the subject as well as fostering a community of people with similar interests. I also love that the podcast isn't constantly interrupted with corporate advertising. Isn't it funny that we hear from a lot of people either that they're not believers in the afterlife or that they don't like history, but somehow our show manages to bring them on in. Come on in. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) Motor Mike Bike. How strange. Five stars. I just listened to the Biltmore podcast. I found it just by searching Biltmore in the iTunes store. I was looking for a podcast about it because I actually went there and toured the house with my family on my mom's birthday, which was the same day you released the podcast. This is a, an episode of The X-Files. Or The that's Twilight a, Zone. <laughs> that's a little creepy. I just wanted to say a couple things. And so here's a little update on the Biltmore. One of them being that the family is still involved. I don't have the little book that I got there, but George Vanderbilt's descendants are like the CEOs or something or other with a fancy title. The other thing is that I experienced no feelings or sightings or anything like that. I'm a believer in the paranormal and have experienced some very odd experiences, but I noticed nothing at the Biltmore. However, I will say that it was very busy while I was there. So perhaps if there had been less people, I would have noticed something. Oh, also the freezer that I saw has like a glass door or something now so you can see inside it but can't go in it. So that answers our questions when we were asking Stephen about that and he couldn't remember. Obviously, they've put glass doors up there now so he wouldn't be able to walk in and get his creepy feelings anymore, I guess. I highly recommend going there this time of year for the Christmas decor. I bet it's amazing. The Grand Dining Room or whatever you call it is seven stories high with an organ loft. There were Christmas songs being played on the organ and there was a huge decorated Christmas tree in there. The ornaments were the size of basketballs. Holy (laughs) cow. That sounds like a Disney Christmas tree. Anyways, it's expensive about 50 bucks a person, which is why when I suggested we'd go to it and, uh, Steven will tell you about it or something he was like no I'll be there I was like okay I didn't know because it's expensive but it's an amazing place to see seeing it in person is much more impressive than looking at pictures thanks for making an episode about the Beltmore. well thanks so much for that review Mike we appreciate it yes thank you Rompo T. Chris haunted history at its best five stars Diane and Denise are excellent hosts the ladies keep me entertained while I work and I love the podcast I look forward to the shows keep up the good work well thank you Chris we appreciate that Nikki, two Cs. I can see the future five stars. These ladies are stars. I can see them jet-setting across the world, giving talks about history with a twist, mesmerizing young and old. Dinah Denise truly are passionate about their craft, and it's felt by all that listen, but it's even better in person. Just remember to get pictures. (laughs) Well, because of that quote, I know exactly who this is that gave us the review. This would be Nicole who we gave the talk for in Lakeland to her group. Yes. And we were all kicking ourselves afterwards because, wouldn't you know it, we didn't take one picture during the event. After, before, at all. (laughs) How do you do that? I guess magic. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so thank you for that, Nicole. Yes, thank you. And then we have Daddy Matt came to listen on a recommendation. And this is where I found out that we had been talked about on Bizarre States. I came across your podcast through a recommendation from Jessica Chobot on Bizarre States, another paranormal podcast done by the Nerdist Network. And your research and tone make each episode easy listening while I work. I binged on eight episodes while working yesterday. I love it when people say they're binging on it. <laughs> It's like, I feel like we're being so bad. (laughs) I love the subjects and living in the LA area. The Disneyland and CESA hotel episodes really piqued my interest. Keep up the good work. Can't wait for more. Thank you. Well, thank you, Matt. We appreciate that. Then we got some comments over at the website. And on our Facebook fan page that I wanted to share with everybody. First of all, Mike Zook going back to the Gettysburg episode. I enjoyed episode 74 in Gettysburg very much. I read a lot about Gettysburg, but very little on the paranormal activity there. So that was very enjoyable. General Yule is pronounced Yule. Denise, you were right. Yes, Denise (laughs) was right So when I said, I think it's Ewell I was wrong Yay! Mark that
0: down because I don't say that very often I've got it marked And so does the rest of our listeners That are keeping track for me
1: We also got a comment from Deborah Michael Your podcast is the perfect way to unwind With a glass of wine in the tub before retiring The challenges of the day go bump Right out of your head I love it (laughs) (laughs) Be careful drinking that wine in the tub Don't fall asleep Yes, that would be bad And Dawn over on the website wrote, I found this podcast after it was mentioned on another spooky podcast called Bizarre States. (laughs) I love the blend of history and scary. I also really enjoy that you ladies keep the language of the podcast family friendly so I can recommend it to my students who love Spooky History. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Dawn. And Denise is just beaming about her G-rated show.
0: Well, maybe PG-13.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, we we try to keep the cursing to a minimum. I think occasionally we've said some four-letter words. Yeah, because usually I curse like a sailor. Yeah, right. <laughs> But some of the material can be a little bit over the top when we get into some of the seedy side or some of the murder type stuff. It's not maybe necessarily great, but we do try to keep it so that you could sit and listen to it with your kids. Spook them out, too, because I loved this stuff when I was a kid as much as I love it today. And then Melissa Wells over on Facebook said, I just started listening to your podcast and I really love it so far. Well, I don't believe in life after death. I love the history aspect of your podcast. I'm a huge history lover, so it's right up my alley. And then she's going to give us a little bit of inside information on the Lizzie Borden stuff.
0: Yes, this is very cool.
1: I just finished listening to your Lizzie Borden episode, which I loved. I've always been fascinated by the Borden story, and I've read several books on the subject. I noticed on the episode you mentioned that Bridget Sullivan never mentioned the tragedy later in life, but two books on the subject that I've recently read mentioned that later in life, when Bridget was very sick and thought that she was dying, she wrote to a close friend and told her to hurry to her side because she had something very important that she needed to tell her. However, once the friend arrived, Bridget had recovered from her illness and never told her friend what she had said she wanted to tell her. I would just love to know what it was she was going to tell her, but sadly, I guess we'll never know now. As for who I think committed the murders, I really think that Emma is more likely to have done it than Lizzie. There you go, Denise. Yep. Though I do think that Lizzie was in on it to some extent. In any case, I just thought I would share with you one of the things that I learned through my readings on the subject. And then she went on to say that the quality of the sound quality on our podcast is just fine. So for those people who've given us bad reviews. <laughs> Diane. And then her 12-year-old mature Diane comes out. <laughs> I have to say, I have been working with our programming, and I think I'm getting a little bit better with deleting some of the tinny sound and the background noise, and we are getting closer to a place where we can afford to get better microphones. So I am hoping within the next couple months that we will get a much better better, more professional sound going. For right now, we're on a shoestring. So there you go. A borrowed shoestring. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) All right, Denise. Well, I think we've bored these people enough with talking to our listeners, which is one of the things that we love to do because we are a community. But I think it's time for us to check into the Emily Morgan Hotel. Ding, ding. Hello, ma'am. May I help you? (laughs) I'm an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com.
0: Moment in History. Charlie Chaplin was a star of the silent film era in Old Hollywood. He is best known for his role as The Tramp, in which he donned a bowler hat, square mustache that was Hitler esque, a cane, oversized shoes, and a quirky little walk. His acting career spanned 77 years. He died on Christmas Day in 1977 and was buried in the hills above Lake Geneva in Switzerland, in the village of Corsier. He would not be at rest for long. In March of the following year, two grave robbers disinterred the coffin and the body of Charlie Chaplin. The grave robbers were a Polish man named Roman Wardas and a Bulgarian named Gontzczo Genev. They took the coffin and buried it in a field a mile from the Chaplin home. After all, hoisting a coffin and a body around would be a bit conspicuous. The men then demanded 400,000 pounds for the return of the body. Charlie's widow refused to pay, claiming that Charlie would find the situation ridiculous. The police put surveillance on 200 phone banks in the area and tapped the chaplain house's phone. It took 11 weeks, but they finally found the criminals and recovered Charlie's coffin and body. He was reburied, but this time in a coffin of concrete. Charlie no doubt would have found this footnote to his life quite odd. You're not afraid of a little ghost, are you?
1: This Day in History On this day, November 19th in 1873, William Tweed, also known as Boss Tweed, was convicted of 204 counts of defrauding New York City out of $6 million. Boss Tweed was a politician who had risen to the level where he was considered the boss of Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall was basically the Democratic powerhouse in New York. It was an organization that played a major role in politics in New York, both the city and the state. Boss Tweed was the third largest landowner in New York and had been elected to the House of Representatives. At the time that he served as boss of Tammany Hall, he was on the New York County Board of Supervisors. Boss Tweed ushered in a time of political corruption. He installed friends to high places and used construction projects as payoffs and an opportunity to make big profits. The Orange Riot of 1871 started the downfall for Boss Tweed. Newspapers started writing exposes after getting insider information after Tweed's supposed friends started talking. It was discovered that Tweed had defrauded the city, and he was put on trial for 220 counts, finally being convicted on 204 of them. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison. The sentence was later changed to one year. After his release, the city filed a civil lawsuit. Tweed couldn't pay the $3 in bail, so he was locked up again. He escaped during a home visit and ran away to Spain, where he worked as a seaman. He was discovered and returned to America. He made a deal that he would tell all about the inner workings of Tammany Hall if he would be freed. An agreement was reached, and Tweed told everything. The governor changed his mind on the deal, and Tweed was returned to jail, where he died of pneumonia. Hello, this is Victoria from victoriaslift.com. When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring, it's terrifying! The past remains with us, and so do its spirits. Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices
0: and the truth from the past. The city of San Antonio is beautiful. It is home to the infamous Alamo, and right next to the Alamo sits the Emily Morgan Hotel. The hotel is considered the official hotel of the Alamo. It was once a state-of-the-art medical facility. Today it is a Doubletree by Hilton Hotel that offers luxurious accommodations in a beautiful historic building. Those accommodations offer more than just luxuries. There are reportedly ghosts in this building. Some believe that the hotel is far more haunted than even the Alamo, where so many more people died. Join us as we explore the history and the hauntings of the Emily Morgan Hotel.
1: San Antonio is the third largest city in Texas and estimated to be the seventh largest city in America. This city is the heart of Texan independence. The Battle of the Alamo was fought here. The city was named for St. Anthony of Padua. When the Europeans first arrived, the Payaya Indians, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, were in the area and called it Yanguana, meaning refreshing waters. The San Antonio River is sometimes still referred to by that name, given originally by those Native Americans. Spanish Franciscans leading military expeditions were the first to arrive here. Missions were built throughout the area, and many still stand today.
0: The Emily Morgan Hotel got its start as a medical facility in 1924. The building was designed by the architect Ralph Cameron and developed by J.M. Nix. It was built in the Gothic Revival style with cast iron accents. The roof is copper with ribs made of wood. A distinct tower is located at one of the building's triangular shaped corners and gargoyles line the building. The gargoyles each depict different medical ailments. The building had thirteen stories and was called the Medical Arts Building. Inside were medical offices, a hospital, and crematorium. In nineteen seventy six the building was converted into an office complex and And the following year, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places. In 1984, the building was remodeled and opened as a hotel. It was given the name, the Emily Morgan Hotel, and it was named for a special woman.
1: Emily D. West is a folk hero in Texas. She was born sometime in 1815 in New Haven, Connecticut. Emily was a free woman of color, but she would not really remain free. In 1835, a man by the name of James Morgan took Emily on as an indentured servant, and she was employed at one of his hotels in Morgan Point, Texas, called the New Washington Associations Hotel. On April 16, 1836, a Mexican cavalry stormed the hotel in search of the president of the Texas Republic, David Burnett. Burnett had already left, so the cavalry kidnapped the black servants at the hotel, including Emily. General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana arrived and helped his troops loot and then burn the hotel. He then decided to go after Sam Houston and his troops. On April 21st, the Texans charged the Mexican camp and General Santa Anna was caught with his pants down. Literally. Legend says that the general was in a compromising position in his tent with none other than Emily West. And even though Emily did not plan it this way, she is given credit for helping to defeat the Mexican army.
0: You go, girl. William Boliard was an Englishman who was traveling through Texas when he met up with Sam Houston. He wrote the following about what he was told by Houston at that meeting. Quote, I, Boliard, left Galveston with a friend for a trip to the Trinity River by land for observations to geographical society. Buffalo Bayou may be compared to a deep canal. its shores thickly wooded with pine and magnolias and flower. We gaze with some entrance on the battlefield of San Jacinto. The following is a copy of the unpublished letter written by General Houston to a friend after this extraordinary battle. The Battle of San Jacinto was probably lost to the Mexicans owing to the influence of a mulata girl, Emily, belonging to Colonel Morgan, who was closeted in the tent with General Santana at the time the cry was made. The enemy, they come, they come and detained Santana so long that order could not be restored readily again, end quote.
1: Was the story true? It has grown and been added to through the years, just like urban legends. Many have claimed that the song Yellow Rose of Texas was written about Emily. For our episode, it's not really important whether Emily helped in the defeat of Santa Anna or not. What is important is that Texans believe she did. She really did live, and for that reason, the hotel was named the Emily Morgan. They used her employer's surname rather than her own, as was the custom to do with servants. She did return back to New York the following year. She had some problems with her paperwork because they'd been kidnapped and so it had gotten lost. So they didn't know for sure that she was actually a free black woman. And so she had to do some convincing to get them to realize that I'm not the slave of Mr. Morgan. I'm just one of his servants. And so they did get her on board a ship and back up to New York the following year. But when you look through it, really the only evidence they have of her doing this, literally doing <laughs> the general, <laughs> is this, this line that was found in this guy's letters. That's it. That's all they have. And they're assuming that it was Emily. He didn't actually put her name in there, I don't believe. Did this really happen this way? All we know is that they were defeated and there was a reason why. Yep, and legends are born out of small things anyhow. But now her name goes on into
0: infamy on the top of a hotel there. Absolutely. The Emily Morgan was remodeled extensively in 2012 and joined the Hilton family of hotels under the Doubletree branch. The rooms are luxurious and modern. No one would imagine that this was once a hospital where people died. And others have died here in more recent time. In April of 2008, Juan Ignacio Gutierrez stabbed a woman named Elvira Hernandez Moreno to death with a steak knife. Later that same year, Justin Cardenas came out of the room of the 14th floor with blood on his shirt and hands. Cardenas had rented a room with a friend who brought a gun. The friend emptied the gun of its clip but forgot that a bullet was in the chamber. He held the gun to his temple and told Justin to pull the trigger. It fired and killed the man. You I never not, point a gun.
1: You never would do that to begin with, especially with if you don't empty even gun. It, you, you didn't check the chamber or nothing. It's just gun safety. <laughs> uh, and Justin did get twelve years for that. He did plead down to manslaughter. So was it an accident? Who knows? But that's, that's what true. he claims.
0: <laughs> that's true because it couldn't be. It could be that the guy wasn't. done. Yeah. That, that was just what Justin saying. Exactly.
1: The Emily Morgan Hotel sits in an area that is prime territory for hauntings. After all, the Alamo is right next door. Employees and guests report many unexplained happenings. The televisions and lights turn off and on without assistance. The phones ring in the middle of the night with no operator or anyone on the other end. And being situated next to the Alamo means sightings of soldiers in military garb are seen outside. 600 soldiers lost their lives here and their bodies were burned.
0: And there is, of course, a woman in white here as well. Of course. Of course. People will see her and think she is real, and then she suddenly disappears. A senior sales manager at the hotel once rented a room for an overnight and returned from dinner to find the bathtub full of water. She had not run the bath. There is both a woman and a little girl on the third floor. This little girl has a penchant for music. She is said to wake people in the middle of the night with her humming. She sometimes asked people if they would like to sing along. One guest heard a little girl humming, row, row, row your boat, while she was in the restroom. When she investigated, she found no little girl anywhere. The woman on this floor is heard singing.
1: So they like to sing on the third floor, apparently. Yep, it must be the musical floor. Shadow figures and apparitions that walk through walls are seen on the seventh floor. Wine bottles slide off tables on the ninth floor, And toilet seats get banged up and down. Apparently somebody doesn't like the flush system there. Or or they've been rooming with too many guys. (laughs) They're making a statement. I guess for guys, as long as they're not banging up and down when they're using the facilities. (laughs) (laughs) That would not be fun.
0: (laughs) And Diane goes a whole other direction than I was going.
1: A hospital gurney is heard being wheeled on the 11th floor. And the spirit of an elderly woman is seen weeping in a hospital gown. The 12th floor housed surgery. The smell of alcohol is detected on this floor and unexplained noises are heard, as if surgeries are still ongoing in a residual manner. The elevators are haunted as well. People blame faulty wiring, only faulty wiring has never been found. The elevators sometimes don't stop at the floors chosen by riders. They'll just pass right on by. Sometimes they'll shoot people down to the basement where the morgue was once located and then sit there, refusing to move. KCC Big Country wrote on her hub page about experiences she had on a stay at the hotel And one of those experiences was on the elevator and they had this similar kind of thing where they wanted to go. They were staying on the 14th floor, which is actually the 13th floor. But, you know, some of these older hotels don't want to have a 13th floor. Right. Based on luck. She said it would not go up to the fourth floor and it just kind of stopped on another floor and the doors wouldn't open. And she's like pushing the number 14 and pushing the 14 and then they push the doors to open and they wouldn't open and they were just stuck there. And then finally it went up and she said the minute they got out of that elevator, they ran. (laughs) They were like, they had no other problems with any of the other elevators after that. But, and uh, she had some other interesting experiences there. I did put a link to her hub page article in the show notes. So if people would like to read more about her personal experiences, they can do that.
0: Michelle related the following chilling tale from her stay at the hotel. Quote, the Emily Morgan is indeed haunted. The first weekend I stayed there, I really had no expectations. I thought the hotel was fantastic when I arrived. My friend and I checked in and hopped on the elevator to get to our room so we could unpack. When we got on the elevator and hit the third floor, the elevator kept going and opened on an entirely different floor. We giggled nervously but didn't think too much about it. After a little shopping and entertainment, we settled in for the night. At some point in the night, I was woken by an incredible chill and humming. I woke up to find a little girl sitting on the end of my bed. She was swinging her feet off the end of the bed and humming. When she saw I was awake, she giggled and said, Do you want to sing? Do you want to play with me?
1: The answer is always no. <laughs> no, thank
0: you. <laughs> no, no, go, go along. Go find your mommy. <laughs> That's not part of her quote. I immediately froze and then started to cry. I was terrified. I actually couldn't even talk about it for weeks after it happened. I pulled the covers up over my head and never made it back to sleep. The following night, I decided I would try to stay up later and maybe have a glass or two of wine before trying to get to bed. I again found myself waking up to a cold chill. This time, I laid very still with my eyes closed and could feel someone lying next to me, almost leaning against me. I slowly opened my eyes to make sure I was awake. I could feel someone against me, and again, I cried, As soon as I started to cry, the feeling left, but you could still feel the cold, end quote.
1: That is a terrifying experience. I don't blame her for, you know, shedding a tear or two. No, Uh,
0: I I don't know how these people stay. Like, I don't know that I would stay there and go to sleep.
1: I'd be like, uh, I'll take another room, thanks.
0: Or another state.
1: I do like that she tried the whole, let me get drunk off of some wine. Maybe I'll pass out and not wake <laughs> up. And then she used the surefire armor that we all like to use when we have something scary in the room with us. Pull the bed sheet up. <laughs> That'll save you.
0: Absolutely. Bed sheets are like great ghost deterrents.
1: They are. Just like, you know, don't put your feet over the edge of the bed. Then oh, the monster no. under the, the monster- bed can't get you. Yeah. Not like he could just reach up through the springs and
0: snatch you through. Well, and anybody knows that monsters come through the door of the closet,
1: not under the bed. Oh, I forgot about that. And we actually do have monsters in our closet. We have a couple pictures from the uh, Monsters, Inc. movie in our closet. They come through doors. That was my silly idea because that's where monsters go in the closet, right? Lisa wrote about her stay at the hotel. Quote, I stayed at the Emily Morgan a few years ago on the seventh floor near the elevator. So we've got the seventh floor and the elevator here, which are both purportedly haunted. Unaware of its reputation for being haunted. Surprise. (laughs) The room had sliding doors to the bathroom, which I closed before getting into bed. Nothing paranormal has ever happened to me, and I'm 45 years old. Later that night, I was lying in bed awake, and I felt a weight sit next to me on the bed. Even felt the pressure against my leg above the knee as if a smallish person sat down. Maybe a little girl? I freaked out and said, please leave now. I didn't sleep after that, but when I got up, the sliding doors were open. I won't be staying there again, but it was a beautiful property, end quote.
0: <laughs> so I think when we make it to San Antonio, because I still want to get you there, we'll be visiting, not sleeping at this hotel.
1: Well, as long as we don't stay on the 3rd, 7th, ninth, 11th, or 12th floors, we're good. Or the basement. Yeah, and or don't ride in the elevators. And, and don't, don't look out at the Alamo.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a, a charming <laughs> night. <laughs> so do ghostly soldiers still hang out near the Alamo? Are those who died long ago in the Medical Arts Building still at the hospital waiting for their surgery? Is the Emily Morgan Hotel haunted? That is for you to decide.
1: Sounds pretty bad. And there are people who claim that it is more haunted than the Alamo, that it's one of the more haunted hotels out there. So thank you, Jill, for that suggestion. Absolutely. On our next show, we are going to Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. We're going to Ottawa to the Carleton County Jail
0: going back to jail. We sure can't stay all those places, can
1: we? Yeah, this was suggested by our research crew member Carbon Lilies, and they did a lot of the research on that as well. So, this is a pretty crazy place, and it's a part of the haunted walks that they do up there. And there was a bit of a battle going back and forth because they wanted to shut down the whole haunted walk part of it, but I think because we were all tweeting and doing all kinds of stuff to say, no, 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 don't do that, they backed off and reconsidered, and it sounds like the haunted walks will continue.
0: Oh, good, because that would be fun to do someday.
1: Indeed, and I tell you what, we are finding out jails are pretty haunted places, and it's no surprise.
0: Especially the older jails, because just the way they treated the prisoners. I don't know what the ghosts in modern-day jails would do, play video games and get a college education.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bang around the dumbbells and stuff. (laughs) I don't want to watch that cable channel. We want to thank you for listening to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Executive producers of this episode have been Levi Drescher, Dan Foytik, Janice Carlson, Stephen Pappas,
0: Heather Williams,
1: David Ann Student, Amy Connor, Tanya Turner, Nicole Johnson, Leanna Sapien, Jade Lewis, April Rogers-Crick, Laura Davis, Seth Crawford, Tracy Duhon, Josh Wood, Laura S., and Barbara Metz-Goudreau. Thank you.
0: Society's Rise and society's fall. when the time comes one society steps forward to build a better future The Wicked Library Kettle Whistle Radio
1: Ninth Story Podcast Prog Watch Red Horse Radio The Lift History Goes Bump Listen the M writing podcast
0: society 13 rebuilding society one podcast at a time want to keep the spooks away give us a review